chapter 85 of our podcast, Julie defines the difference between un grotte and un gouffre as we visit the caves at Las Tournelles. And Jeff will list the airports to avoid if you're planning a trip to Europe. This is Jeff and Julie moved to France during a global pandemic. So we have a lot to get to on today's show, jam-packed, but uh, we have to start with something that uh, we received recently. Well, you know, it, it's interesting, uh, you know, uh, our commune and our mayor, often, you know, the mayor gets a bit of a bad rap, but I think he lobbied very um, diligently to get the state or the country of France to declare our commune a natural disaster. Une catastrophe naturelle. Catastrophe. It was une catastrophe. And that was because of the drought last summer. Okay. So uh, the decree says that if you have witnessed any movement on your land, so that means any cracks in your foundation, in your, you know, walls, um, you have um, until October 14th to file a claim with your insurance company. And I, I found out about this because we have actually sustained some damage. We recently had some paving done here, a lot of paving, and already cracked. We had the pavers out and they said it's because of how dry it was. So, you know what? Maybe there's some accuracy there. I, I thought they were sort of obfuscating a little bit, but we'll we'll find out more. But um, the thing is, you can't declare those things on your insurance unless you have this decree. That's right. That's right. So this is, you know, something that we'll send to our insurer. I'm sure that there'll be a claims expert that will come and take a look at the damages. We will still have to pay the deductible. Right. And uh, and we'll see if we can, you know, rectify some of our, some of our cracks. Yeah, we have uh, damage there and around our pool. So, yeah, we'll see how that all goes. I just have to file the dang thing, which, yeah. I, which I will get to uh, shortly. Uh, because I, I've been a little busy cleaning up stink bugs. Uh, just unbelievable. There should be a catastrophe <laughs> for stink for bugs. stink bugs at our house. Well, we I, I joke with our friends that we are the capital of of our department for stink bugs, and it's pretty pretty hilarious because we had a couple of friends over on the weekend, and and they witnessed how many stink bugs we had. Like it's unreasonable the amount that we have. And we uh, were able to, um, through the help of of, uh, of the people at Gamvert, get uh, uh, some kind of a fluid that we... Which is the garden center where we buy our wine. <laughs> I just wanted just to... Okay. Yeah, insecticide. Yeah. <laughs> Sancerre. Yeah. Um, anyway, so we were able to apply it to our terraces, to our walls, to the frames of the windows, and it acts as a barrier between your, your building or the, the landscape and the stink bugs. I will include some lovely photos of our stink bug collection, but I, I warn you, uh, when you're checking out our Facebook page at Jeff and Julie Moved to France, don't look at this picture just before a meal. No. Uh, unless, well, unless you're trying to lose weight. You know, uh, no, but the funny thing was, so we cleared them out and, and got everything, as much of the cleanup as possible. Then we had another set of, set of friends over yesterday, and we thought, wow, the place looks great. And they go, wow, you've got a lot of stink bugs. And I just, I, I had the, what do you call a souffle? What do, what do you call a souffleuse. it? Souffleuse. Yeah, so the, the leaf blower, basically. That's how I'm getting rid of them. I'm just kind of shooting them all on 
onto the grass. And I did it like honestly 20 minutes before they got there. <laughs> and they couldn't believe how yeah. many we had. And then we started speculating. Why do we have so many stink bugs? Is it because there's a lot of white uh, on our property? Is it because they grew so um, soya beans not too far away? So those are lots of theories. But the fact remains that we had the worst stink yeah. bug uh, uh, collection collection in years. But I would say this, whatever Gomver sold us sure worked. I came outside and uh, Julie and I came to the same <laughs> conclusion. It looked like Pune's Georgetown. Jonestown. Oh, sorry. Georgetown. <laughs> that was <laughs> not Georgetown. <laughs> Not Georgetown. Anyway, we, 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 we like Georgetown. We love Georgetown. We used Jonestown. to live near to Georgetown. Yeah, Jonestown. Yeah. Uh, but it was, you know, it was, uh, what a mess. Right. But, you know, uh, Eileen and Tomas and their two daughters, they were here when it was full on stink yeah. bugs. Yeah, and the they, little girls were pretty fascinated by them. Yeah, but they, they were in the pool and having fun. And, you know, isn't it amazing how kids don't care how cold the pool is? This is the first thing I noticed. <laughs> Tomas got in there with, because one of them is two and one's four. And the two-year-old is fearless, right? And so Tomas gets in there and he goes, oh, gee. And I had it at like, Fahrenheit, I had it at like 77. Still That's not. okay, yeah. You know, but the little girl goes in there and they don't even, they don't even go, ooh, like they're just in. They're yeah. just in the kids. They're brave. They love it. Anyway, it was it was good to see uh, them. Uh, we met them through the podcast. Yeah, and they've since moved to the region. That's right. Uh, uh, they, uh, Lynn was just uh, googling podcasts about moving to France, and ours came to the top of the pile. And, Sorry. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, so, <laughs> yeah. But but that's how we met, and they're just a delightful couple. We just had so much fun. Uh, they were here all afternoon. We had a lovely lunch with the girls, and uh, they just got all kind of moved in, so they were experiencing a lot of the same stuff that uh, we had uh, back in 2020. With documentation and and rules and regulations, and anyway, they're settling in. The, the you know, the, the girls are starting, well, the older one is starting with her school, and uh, I think um, they're they're slowly kind of making themselves feel comfortable and getting to know their environment. And uh, it's uh, it, it's good to know that they're happy with uh, with their choice. And it didn't was it Eileen who gave you the uh, the recommendation for the discount store? Yeah, she asked me if I knew about Nas N O Z. Right. <clears throat> I remember seeing Nas. Uh, in in Villeneuve sur Lot, it's across from where you buy your you know farm equipment. Your oh yeah right yeah yeah and, and you know the signage didn't appeal to me, so I I never entered it. It's like this really stark blue on a on a white facade. And anyway, she was saying, well, if you've got courage and a little bit of time, <laughs> and I think uh, Tomas called it a, a chaotic environment. Um, it, I, it's a fun place. You get great bargains. It's it's similar to it's this it's the winners concept, right? Where they uh, well, no, no, where winners they... meets dollar store. Okay, <laughs> I meant it, the concept of it. Yeah, the the TJ Maxx kind of yeah. yeah. They they purchase end of lines or things mm-hmm. that are about to expire. <laughs> Or, you know, um, things that uh, (laughs) stores that go bankrupt. So they get their merchandise at a very, very good price and they resell it at a good price. You wanted me to come along and I I came along. I banged off a couple of photos and ran like from a burning (laughs) building. That is not my scene. It's it's pretty. It's yeah. You have to go with a lot of patience. Um, And uh, crap all over the place. But there are like 
320 of those stores. They're French stores, French-owned, all over France. And, uh, you know, the concept is you just put stuff in a bin and and the customer has to sift through it to see if they can find any treasures. And so, you know, I I thought, okay, you know what, I'm going to find some stuff and I've got this policy that I don't buy anything from China. So, you know, I, I wanted to see if there's any any useful item that I could pick up. And thank you for this CBD oil I've never used. Right. Is that what it's called? CBD oil? Yeah, for your... For your My joints. Arti- yeah. I forgot to put it on today. Well, you know, that was a, a German manufacturer um, that I found online afterwards to see if this was a credible product. It is. And in the store in Nas, it was... One euro ninety nine centim. Mm-hmm. Online, the lowest price I could find was nine euros ninety five. But most centime. of them were over fourteen, thirteen were over bucks. Over fourteen, yeah. yeah. So, and you you can buy food items, clothes, uh, toys, things for the garden. You, like it's it's you does ev- there's everything. There's even as you check out a frozen fruit sex- section. Oh, I'd be avoiding that. <laughs> That's just me. I, you know what? I'm sure it's fine. But uh, oh, and they had they had Spanish beer. They had. Uh, you know, wines. Anyway, I, I stayed there for a little bit longer than you did. And, you know, uh, I, I'm not saying I'll never go back. Um, well, no, you got some good deals there. I got some good deals. You got some nice car, uh, greeting cards. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah, handmade. Yeah. 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 So, so, you know, uh, it was, it was uh, for me, a positive experience. You, you won't see me there again. I don't, uh, But no. that's fine. No. You won't. No. That's not going to be happening. It's not on the docket, as they say. It's not your thing. No, no, it's not my thing. <laughs> no. Um, so last week on the show, we did a survey or uh, relayed a, a survey that came out from J.D. Power regarding customer satisfaction at North American airports. Right. And the Canadian airports didn't do very well. No, no. Uh, Montreal, uh, Pierre Elliott Trudeau and... Pearson were right at the bottom of both lists. So I thought, well, let's see what the deal is here. Because you know what? In Europe, uh, it's really feast or famine as well. You know, not not much difference. And so I did some digging and found a study that's been going on since about 2006. It's the Airports Council International. They've been surveying passengers about the similar criteria uh, their European airport experiences, and the result. The, there's awards though here. The oh, re- I see. The results are included in the annual Airport Service Quality Awards, and uh, from Mar- so these came out in March. They represent the 2022 uh, airport surveys mm. and the rankings. And just just to quickly go through this, in case you're planning a trip to Europe, some. Uh, airports that uh, you you look forward to going to, and then I've got a couple at the end that you want to avoid. Uh, from the 15 to 25 million passenger category, which ends up being the smaller uh, of the three, the top three airports, and by the way, Spain does really well in all of these surveys. Mm-hmm. Uh, Alicante in Spain, Budapest in Hungary, and Helsinki in Finland. Those were all tied for first place. Wow. Among the airports serving the next, uh, the medium-sized airports, 25 to 40 million, Athens, Greece huh. did very well. Uh, also, again, Palma in Spain and Zurich in Switzerland, those were the best for customer satisfaction. And out of the larger airports, 40 million uh, plus per year, Rome, Istanbul uh, finished uh, on top of the heap, those two. For, so Rome in Italy and Istanbul in Turkey. Now, who bombed? 
Well, wouldn't you like to know? I mean, <laughs> yeah. it's it's exactly what we have said all these years in order. Uh, it, it's Paris, number three, Frankfurt, Germany, number mm-hmm. two, mm-hmm. and never, if you can ever avoid going to this airport, do it. Because it's the worst airport I've ever been in. It's Lisbon in Portugal. It is an absolute disaster, and it's reflected here. Uh, And this is from the European Air Traffic Management Body, uh, where they come up with uh, the amount of delays. Oh, our our flight from Lisbon back to Toulouse was a nightmare. Nightmare. It was delayed uh, not only when we were inside the terminal, it got pushed back, but then once we had boarded the plane, it had mechanical issues, so it got delayed until it could be rectified, and it was a zoo. And it, just inside the airport, it's like you're just forever bumping into people. It's just horrible. And uh, at this airport, fewer than 60% of flights actually depart on time. That's how bad that airport wow. is. So wow. do yourself a wow. favor. Avoid Lisbon at all costs. Absolute nightmare. So, uh... We got into a little tiff the other day. We had a row. Oh, a row. All right. <laughs> we got over it. It's okay. Uh, we, we've we mended the fence. But yeah, I, because I, we, we created a new rule. <laughs> another, and... another rule. Yeah. Another of Jeff's rules and regulations. Well, but the, don't you find that this one makes complete sense? It does. It does. Okay, so the problem was that Jeff wanted to put some peanut butter on his bread. And while he was away in Canada, I did. Oh. I took inventory of all the products that were in our pantry. Oh, she goes to town. And it's just... I did a purge of anything oh. that had been sitting there too long you just... or had expired. You buy into this scam that due dates matter. It's just such a scam. It's not a scam. It's not a scam. So, so in any case, the problem was that I chucked it and didn't replace it. Ah. And so... Jeff had a fit. And, you know, new rule is if I'm going to chuck something, then I have to replace it. First. First. No, first. First. Oh, okay. No, no, no. I'm writing it down now. Okay, you get the new p- peanut first, butter. peanut butter. Mm-hmm. There you see it now, and yeah. you can put it right back where I I know it is. Uh-huh. And then, then you can have your way with the other one. But you, here's the thing. You didn't need to throw it out. You, it was going to last another 10 so years in there. So peanut butter does last a long time. So, so you uh. know, th- what I have learned is that there are two things. Two ways of indicating f- food dates Plus on a product. Here's wait, the, wait. Here's the other thing. I want to keep the jar. I want to keep those jars for my workshop. That's the other thing. Anyway. So this particular jar of peanut butter had a best buy date. Okay. So it's not a consume before date. Exactly. It's a best buy date. So it was two years past. Oh, it was 2021. Just breaking it in. It's just getting broken in. So, you know, it's it's lost its flavor. It's been there too long. Perfect. It needs to be replaced. It's marinating. Now, it's just wonderful. But wait, other other products have consumed by and that is a health and and security issue. Blah, blah, you blah, 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 like blah. milk products, for example? Yeah, smell test. Meat products? Smell test. So if if you are eating expired let's just say pork you could be really sick okay yeah yeah when you get to pork and stuff okay fine but beef smell test all day long and anything uh dairy products i i just put my beak up there and i go this is off 
send it down the drain. Well, typically manufacturers put an expiry date on it that you should respect if it's consumed by. But they say that, I don't know who they are, but they say that you can usually three or four days after the consumed by. Really? Still consume the product without becoming ill. But but who wants to take that risk? Me. Why? Because if 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 I'm dying for something and it's not there, that's 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 more detrimental to my health because I right. get all steamed up and I get all stressed out. And whereas if if the peanut butter was there, first of all, mm-hmm. there would have been no problem. I'd still be here <gasps> and I would have enjoyed a nice little peanut butter sandwich, a, a stale peanut butter sandwich. Oh, says you. This is the problem. That's why if you're gonna go on one of your rampages. Uh-huh. Just please replace. It's not a. I'm a good. Then throw I'm, up. I'm a good household keeper. Yeah. I make sure that what we're consuming is healthy mm. and 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 you know not expired or not dangerous to our health. Rampage. <laughs> the National Institute of Health oh, said that women often, more often than men, reported consuming expired products. What? Mm-hmm. But they also expressed a reluctance to consume the product after the expiration date. The reason that more women reported this is because men, on the other hand, don't even look at the dates. Exactly. They don't know. They just well, no. take a yogurt that's a year, o- a year old out of the fridge and Smell eat test. It. Smell test. Always <laughs> oh, smell. Yeah. In, yeah. in any case, you know, there is a movement in France to make sure that good food isn't thrown out. So, you know, we've we've talked about this before. Supermarkets can no longer dump food that has expired. Um, so things that are close to expiration dates get donated to food banks. Um, in our supermarket, they often box uh, vegetables that are on their way out so that people can buy them at a, at a better price and they can make a soup out of it or whatever it is. Um, so, you know, France is really big on trying to prevent right. waste and one of the top countries at doing that. So there you go. A little lesson from France on your OCD behavior with due dates. Okay. You know, Got just, it. just back it I, off you a know, hair. I, Holy. I, I wrote the rule down. I will respect the rule. Thank you. Much appreciated. Mm-hmm. Makes for uh, just a, a much more lovely home to be in. Yes. Yeah. And that brings me to the French phrase of the day. Yippee. What, due dates or peanut butter or? How about spoiled food? Or spoiled uh, husbands. Or spoiled husbands. Okay, spoiled food. It is the French phrase of the day. All right. Le fruit pourri ne pourrit pas l'arbre. Il tombe. Are you done? Hmm? Wow. What? I did print it off for you. Oh, yeah, right. Yeah, right. It's here somewhere. Le fruit pourri est pourri. Is that from pouvoir? No. Uh. Puri is rotten. Oh, I see. So the fruit that's rotten is not rotten on the tree until it falls? Or no. Well, the arb is the tree, right? Mm Mm-hmm. So... Le fruit pourri ne pourrit pas l'arbre. It's not rotten on the tree. Yeah, so it says the rotten fruit doesn't... Um, rot the tree. Oh, it doesn't rot the tree. It falls. Oh, okay. And and is this uh, a, another one of those sayings that you can apply to other things? I think so. Like uh, members of Congress? It could. 
It could. You could apply it to many things. You know, members of families that that, that go awry. They, yeah. They, you know, sometimes suffer consequences. Right. So falling, I guess. So the family stays together. But, yes. But the black sheep idiot, he. Yeah. yeah. I see. Like oh, okay. jail or something. Yeah. Wouldn't that be cool? Mm-hmm. Uh, okay. Um, le well, f- one more time. Okay. Le fruit pourri ne pourrit pas l'arbre, il tombe. Well, so in English, one more time. Um, the rotten fruit does not rot the tree, uh, it falls. Right. That's a very good uh, saying. And it uh, ties right into uh, your maniacal behavior regarding due dates. It's not, it's not maniacal. It's, you know what? It's efficient. It's uh-huh. mature. Right. Speaking of mature, um, mm. something happened to me uh, the other day. And I just, I, again, it sort of illustrates once again... One of the many differences between, and I'm going to say North America, including Canada, and Europe. And it's the okay. way people handle themselves driving. And it's just, we've said many times before, it just seems more civil here. And, and we get that in restaurants. We get that with the behavior of children in restaurants. Don't we? The kids yeah. are they're, they're just better behaved. It's quieter in restaurants. Yes, yeah. And so I I screwed up on driving the other day, and uh, I mean it's 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 something that if I were in charge of things I would change, because it is a this it's arbitrary it, it, and it's just every once in a while you're driving along a straight road, and the intersecting person on the right all of a sudden in this one particular area has the right of way right. And how I would change this is I'd put up a yield sign. They, I mean, they have yield signs here, the triangular sign. But instead, they post a little tiny sign in French. So if you don't speak French, you're, this is really an important one to miss. It says drivers on the right have the right of way over the next, you know, block or two. Yeah, like I, I was trying to figure out what the logic would be behind that. And I think it's because the traffic going by is so consistent and so regular that if you're trying to mm-hmm. merge in, uh, unless you have the right of way, you're not going to be able to. I know. So put a yield sign up on the straightaway. Put a yield sign up. If I, I would have seen a yield sign. Oh, I see. Yeah. Yield to the to the. Yeah. Just the right. like, like uh, 20 feet in front of that that intersection or that entrance point. Right. Put a yield sign up because it, that's what yield means. If there's a yield sign up and you hit somebody, it's your fault. And I didn't see this. You didn't see it. And all of a sudden, this guy pulls up next to us, rolls his window down. Now, in Canada or in the United States, 90% of the time it would be, you, it would be just, it, it, and, and, and that's how road rage begins. That's how it all starts. And then the other guys would have been back. And he just said, I don't know how he said it. It was in French, but he said, uh, <laughs> you, you missed the sign. But you missed the sign and I almost hit you. And it was at that level. I could hardly even hear him. I honestly could hardly even hear yeah, him. He was it, so it, calm. Yeah, he was very, very calm. I I think part of what we're experiencing is because we're not in a big city. Like, I really do think that road rage exists in major arteries. Well, it's funny. I was on with Humble and Fred this week, and Fred uh, mentioned that there was an actual fight 
wrestling and boxing in the middle of the 401 last week. That doesn't that doesn't surprise me. There is a, a survey that was done. It was conducted by Policy Genius in 2022. 70% of people saw an increase in road rage in the US. Yeah. And and you know that that people makes are on the edge. Sense. People are on the edge. But uh, you know what? This guy here, I just I just wanted to commend him. It's the second time this has happened. Uh, I went down a <laughs> wrong way uh, uh when I was in Villeneuve uh when we first got here and a guy pulled over and he, again, he was very nice. Yes. He just said, "Monsieur, you're going the wrong way." Like, right. But then, do you remember when when you honked at a woman because she was backing up? But I, I, my horn, I, you know, I, I can't do a beep beep. That's all I wanted to do, and it stuck. Uh huh. And they find that aggressive. Yes, honking of horns is equivalent to road rage. Yeah, if it's a long sustained. Yes. So you know, if you were in Paris right now around Lac, Lac de Triomphe, mm-hmm. you would hear honking. You would hear people shouting because it's congested it's hard to navigate it's hard to negotiate Mm -hmm. so people get more aggressive in those circumstances you know eu members have less than 80 road uh, deaths per million per year that that means that they're better drivers than say north america the driving here is incredible i mentioned this to to Humble and Fred as well this week. Drive, drivers here are just incredible. They really are good. Um, and and I think one of the reasons that they're good is the roads are so narrow. Mm-hmm. I mean, they're just incredibly narrow. Actually, where we live, you actually have to pull over into the ditch part to pass. Well, it, because it's the width of a one-car lane. One, yeah, one lane. Yeah. So uh, people are very good drivers here. And I think that's also a reason. they don't They don't get overheated. They don't get all upset about stuff like that. And uh, I was, you know what? It was a lesson because um, I, I typically fly off the handle. I know you find that hard to believe. <laughs> I know. Quelle surprise. And uh, it's happened many times in the car, but I just, now I just back off because you know what? I've done my share of mistakes, especially here. It's tricky and it's much trickier driving than it is back in North America, especially with signage. So, you know what? Just calm down and everybody moves forward. And it was very nice of the guy to just be yeah. soft and gentle and... Yeah, and, and I think that's more effective. So uh, while Linda and Sven were here, we decided to check out some caves. Our oui. first cave experience. Les, les Grottes de l'Astournelle. Yeah. So that's in the Lot-et-Garonne. Okay. And it turns out that there are like many, like over a hundred caves in in and, France. And, and most of them are down this way, aren't they? Oh, there's a bunch. There's yeah. a bunch uh, here in, in Dordogne. Can you say Dordogne for me? <laughs> Dordogne. <laughs> Good. <laughs> and these are all naturally created by water through limestone. Over 25, 30 million years. Yes. They're they're prehistoric. And this particular grotte um, was discovered in the late 1800s by a farmer because th- this entire uh, system is under farmland. Mm-hmm. And so they were digging a well, and lo and behold... They're going and can, going. <laughs> <laughs> and for a while, they couldn't figure out how to access it. And that's that's the big difference between une grotte and un gouffre. Okay. Une grotte, it doesn't necessarily have a natural opening. This is a cave, yes. Right. Whereas uh, un gouffre has a massive hole um, that or crater that developed 
um, leading you into the, the cave system. And if you want to check out the, the goof, uh, uh, the goof de Padarac, we mm. have an episode way back when, can't remember. It's fun. Uh, it was about a year ago. Check that out. There's also a video that goes with that because it is so large that down below they have boats that yeah. you can go down. On the river. Yeah, on the river inside the, the hole in the, in the ground. Now, similar structure once you get down there, but it's just huge. Anyway, Thanks for that distinguishing feature. Yeah. Because uh, this grot that you're talking about was originally founded in the 1800s, but they didn't open it up as a as a commercial cave till what the mid 50s. Yeah. Of like, 1900. Yeah, 57 or something yeah. like that. And so now they so they found they found where they could enter uh, the grot, and now um, the I think it's the granddaughter uh, gives a guided tour through the seven chambers. Yeah. And it's about a 45-minute tour, and you get to see the stalactites, the stalagmites. Um, you get to, you know, hear the history. Um, there are no cave drawings in this particular cave, no. and some in Dordogne do have cave drawings. Um, and they they uh, speculate, and they're still doing tests on these on these cuts because they're newly discovered. They determine that they feel that no humans lived in those caves. Um, there were lots of bats and lots of um, you know bugs and things that don't need light to survive. Um, but there was no there was no proof of fires being burnt or you know skulls or any animals per se. And one of the things that I was just blown away by. So the stalagmites are the ones that go from the ground up. I think so. And there was a couple there that were basically my height and higher, six seven feet high, and. Uh, when you realize that these things grow at a rate of one centimeter per hundred years, uh-huh. <laughs> I mean, a millimeter every 10 years. And this thing is like towering seven feet high, you know, I, I just, it's, it just boggles and the it's mind. Water. It's just the work of water. And, and limestone. Yeah, so you know they've they've now formed a federation. Nestlenet is part of it, so tourists can go and visit the caves. Uh, unfortunately, not many of those that have drawings can be visited anymore because um, there's too much damage that gets done to them just by people breathing carbon. Oh, yeah, and dirt, and it creates mold, and they want to preserve those, so they make exact replicas of the artwork, which. I don't know. I, I'm. Yeah, uh, wouldn't wouldn't do it for me. <laughs> yeah. No, it wouldn't do it for me. Yeah, but you know, globally, France has the majority of of um, the the cave systems. Oh. Uh, it's in third place, only to the U.S. and China. They have more caves. Really? Yeah. The U.S. Yeah, I guess so. Mm-hmm. There are there are quite a few cave structures in the U.S. Yes. Yeah. That's true. So all in all, it was it was great. Um, I think people were well informed. She was able to give her narration in both English and French. Yeah. Uh, and uh, I, you know, I think it's it's worthwhile seeing because it's it's so rich, it's so historical. Yeah. Now I think I, you know, I don't know if I I have another one in me because I, I think. I don't want You've to seen say one, one cave. You uh, seen them all? I don't want to say that, uh, but I, it's 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 a similar sort of experience. I, I would think I would go to one of the caves where you actually can see the prehistoric drawings. Well, as long as it's not a fake cave. Yeah, no, like there are still twenty five percent of those that are open to the public. Okay, I would go see that. Yeah, 
I would go see that. Yeah. Yeah. And it was nice. It, the, uh, they had a nice little setup there. It was great for kids. And there were some kids on the on the tour. And yeah. uh, we'll have lots of photos on the Facebook page of our trip to those caves. It was a, a, a kind of an eye-opener uh, for me. And especially when she was talking about, oh, here's, here's the opening, which took, you know, 40 or 50 years to find. Yeah. That was kind of fun. Yeah. They, they first started, I think she said, they first started about... Uh, five feet from where the actual opening is. Right. <laughs> and it, and one day, correct me if I'm wrong, it started raining. And they felt a breeze. From and they, a yeah, and they, they hid in that crevice and they felt a breeze and they went, ah, okay, that's where the opening is. Pretty cool. Mm-hmm. Hey, the Ryder Cup happens this weekend, starts today, can't wait. Opening ceremonies were yesterday and um, you know what? Here's, here's, here's something that you're not going to believe. Go Europe. That's right. I'm cheering for Europe, probably for the first time. Now, is it because um, this is uh, the U.S. versus Europe? Well, that's what the Ryder Cup is. Ah, uh, okay. Yeah. But if there had been... Oh, if it's the President's Cup. No, 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 oh, no. okay. I'm, okay. I'm, it's just because... Yeah, okay. I'm cheering for the... Well, because the Canadians are involved in the President's Cup. So so basically, I'm never cheering for the U.S. Um in terms of uh, the, this. And, and you know what? Uh, the U.S. has has won 27 out of the, uh, well, it's, it's 27 to 14. This thing happens every two years. And uh, it started way back in the in the 20s. And it's just a great uh, team golf event. And our friends Olivier and Segaline, it's their favorite thing to watch. Yeah, she said yesterday, I'm just going to be glued to the TV for three days. Yeah, no, and this is how I feel about the Masters. But this is fun because it's, it's team golf. It's, it's match play. It's very different. And there are some really, really strong competitors on both sides. And, uh, you know, I mean, the Euro- European players are going to have a, a tough time because this is one of the strongest American teams I've seen in a long time, uh, you know, with Scotty Scheffler and, uh, you know, Patrick Cantley and Brian Harmon, Max Homa. Uh, which, which one is the one they call the, uh, I think it's the Golf Jesus? Oh, the Golf Jesus. <laughs> that's uh, that's on the other side. That's on the uh, on the European side, Tommy Fleetwood. Okay. Tommy Fleetwood, yeah, <laughs> he looks like the Golf Jesus for sure. But you got Rory McIlroy and John Rahm and Victor Hovland, Matt Matt. Matt Fitzpatrick, uh, and uh, a lot of other guys. Sepp Straka is a guy I really like, too, and Justin Rose. So it'll be a lot of fun. Uh, can't wait to uh, see how it all goes with the head-to-head match play competition. And, uh, again, go Europe, maybe get number 15 on the board. The Americans have won enough. And, they've, they've won, and by the way, I'm sick of the USA. I'm sick of that, that whole bravado. Just tone it down a bit. Look at you calming down. See that? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, just don't take my peanut butter away. <laughs> <laughs> okay, join us next week when we unveil the mother of all museums. This is one museum I will be visiting maybe multiple times. <laughs> Chapter 86 of Jeff and Julie Moved to France During a Global Pandemic drops next Friday. A bientôt. Au revoir.